Welcome to Bubbles and Books, a podcast about two of the best things in life, books and champagne, brought to you by Amanda and Ellen, co-owners of your local independent bookstore, Dog-Eared Books in Ames, Iowa. First, give me a cheers. Okay. Okay, we're ready? And books are sexy. All right. I've done my research. I picked us a secret wine. It's called Secret, literally. And it's... (laughs) brute nature so it means it's a natural wine and the reason i picked it because i was curious i wanted to try a natural champagne and what that means is that once it's been bottled and it rests there's a disgorgement where like the junk that bottles up at the neck is removed and usually after they disgorge the junk they add what they call a tirage or a dosement. Like they take um, some sugars, sugary sweet wine, and add it in. So once you've lost that disgorgement, they add in just that little bit to kind of pull the flavor all together. If you don't add that tirage, it's supposedly nice and dry. So I'm curious to see how it tastes. So that's what this is. Yeah, it's natural wine. It didn't get the extra dosage of sweet stuff after it had its disgorgement. Okay. It smells amazing. And the sound it's making is like horror. Yeah. Some people like the percolator of a coffee machine in the morning. You like the sound of pouring wine. I like both, you know? Mm-hmm. I like both. I love it. It's delicious. Mm, that is nice. Yeah, it's really interesting. It's not like it's flavorless. I can taste sweet. Yeah, me too. I like it. All right. <clears throat> <clears throat> so we had a couple of books <laughs> that we both bought on our Minneapolis bookstore tour, and we also had copies of advanced reader copies of a book that we were really excited about. So we are really in line with our reading right now. We're trying to keep pace with one another, and we've just overlapped on, I think, the one I was most excited for, new release for the fall which was a new title by Kevin Wilson. So we should explain our background on Kevin Wilson. Um, I read The Family Fang. I think it was like an... (laughs) (laughs) The music came on in the loft. It's good music. Yeah. Okay. I read The Family Fang years ago, and it was very unusual. It was about performance artist parents and their children that they make be part of their performance art, art. And they would go into like malls and have the kid act like they had no idea where their parents were and they were lost and just watch how people reacted. And so there was this little bit of how did the kids feel being a part of their parents, like really wild behavior. Um, it was interesting. That's what I took away from that. But uh, nothing to see here. One of my all-time faves. One of your all-time faves. Yeah. And we recommend it because it has this undercurrent of humor 
Like it's funny. It's really funny. Yeah. And it and it's absurd. Yeah. It's an absurd premise. It's about children who spontaneously combust. Right. But it's also like it has a lot of heart to it too. Mm-hmm. But it was a, it's laugh out loud funny. In, yeah. In many parts of that book. So I was really excited when we got our arcs of his new book coming out in November. Now is not the time to panic. And we both read we both read it in the last week. Mm-hmm. And I think we both loved it. We loved it. Um, it had less of the fantastical. So there's no kids lighting on fire. No, it, there's nothing really absurdist in it. And there is humor. Like there are some, <laughs> there's some really uh, funny moments. Mm-hmm. But this one is a lot more serious mm-hmm. and a lot more... Um, I don't know. So the, it's a different, it's a very yeah. different feel from nothing to see here, but you know, the things that like trip my trigger when it comes Coming of age. To, to books and this like hit all of those for me. And I just, I loved it so much. So the premise is that it's 1996 in this Tennessee kind of small Tennessee town. And the main character is 16 year old Frankie Budge. And Frankie, like, she is kind of, she's a little bit of an outcast. Like, she just doesn't have friends or a social life. And her family has kind of fallen apart. Her dad um, left her mom um, and her, she has three brothers, triplets, who are older than she is, and they're wild. But he left the family and he had another baby and has this whole other life. And actually gave the baby the same name as Frankie, so that's weird. Um, and... So she's sort of unmoored, you know, she's like, who are my people? What do I do with myself? It's summertime and she's just sitting at home. And that's when she meets. Well, uh, she goes to, she goes to the pool, mm -hmm, the pool. Mm -hmm. And she, because the air conditioner is out at home and Mm -hmm. she just like, can't take it anymore. And she meets Zeke who his family has kind of fallen apart in similar circumstances. He's an only child, but his dad's been cheating on his mom. And now he and his mom have moved back to her hometown, this town, to live with the grandmother mm-hmm. for the summer. And Zeke and Frankie form a friendship and a romance, mm-hmm. but it's sort of built around this central thing they create together. Right. And uh, Zeke is really into drawing. He's an artist. Um, <clears throat> and he's a writer. Yeah. Frankie reveals that she likes writing and she's been working on a book. And... So they decide they'll make something for the summer and that will be the thing to keep them from getting bored. The idea... Yeah, they're just going to do art all summer. Right. But they need to know what they're going to do. And so Zeke kind of puts forward this idea, um, a piece of public art. He's thinking of how people will spray paint or tag um, around towns, something like that. And what they craft together is a poster with words, very specific words, um, written by Frankie, kind of in a moment of flash genius. And they're sort of, I mean, I think we can say them. Yeah, we can say them. It's, okay, I'm trying to remember exactly what it is. The Edge is a, is a shanty town mm-hmm. full of gold seekers. Mm-hmm. And the law. We are fugitives fugitive. and the law is skinny with hunger, hunger for us. And so it's, it doesn't, it's nonsense. Like it doesn't really mean anything, but it's got this sort of ominous undertone. So she writes the words Mm -hmm. on this poster and Zeke creates all these drawings around it. Mm -hmm. 
And then, of course, like any good teenage thing, they a blood oath. They have a blood oath over it, so there's blood on it too. And Frankie's brothers had stolen a Xerox copy machine from the school that was jammed, and it's just like back in their storage or whatever. And so she and Zeke fix it, and they make copies of this poster, and they just start hanging them up all over town. And their hope is that people will be curious. They'll see it and wonder who are the cool people who made this. But it quickly spirals out of control. It becomes a city-wide phenomenon. People start making their own versions of it. It ends up on t-shirts. And, and it's like the satanic panic thing, too. Yeah. So, like, a couple of kids who really were just all out all night drinking um, and didn't come home, and instead of being you know, punished by their parents, they made up the story that they were kidnapped by the The fugitives fugitives from this. And so there's this whole like satanic panic happening in the town that there's some uh, dark undercurrent to this, Mm -hmm. a meaning to this. And it really quickly spirals out of Zeke and Frankie's control. Zeke is, is quite scared of once it starts happening, but Frankie has a very different feeling about it she's very addicted to putting her art out there yeah it's a compulsion for her she's addicted to this like connection that she has found with another person which i think that the poster is really the symbol of that or the manifestation of it and so she wants to double down on it and he is a, a bit more reluctant and their whole you know relationship is the span of a summer and where the book starts is now it's 20 years later. Frankie's a mom and she gets a phone call from like an art critic for the New Yorker who is like, I, th- I know it's you. I know you're the one behind this. And at first Frankie is like, denies it, isn't willing to talk. And then um, eventually decides that she is going to tell the story. And so it's the book is her sort of filling in that, that those gaps and why is this one summer when she's 16 why does it have such a hold on her now as a woman in her mid-30s right um there was a note in the advanced reader's copy that may be in the finished book um but i also listened to kevin wilson's interview with terry gross for nothing to see here in which he references this upcoming book and um what kevin explains is that He was diagnosed in adulthood with a form of Tourette's in which he has repetitive thoughts and visions in his head, and they just never leave. Um, And he lives fine with it, but sometimes it's hard to be out in the world and to be having those repetitive thoughts and reacting to them, maybe facial features or, you know, lapses in conversation. Um, And he's this particular phrase that went into the poster was one, his good friend that he spent a summer with um, developed. He was kind of like someone into drama, playwriting, Mm -hmm. acting. And this was a phrase he came up with that summer. And it was a very special summer for Kevin. And for the next three decades now of his life, he's never stopped saying this phrase. Which is similar to Frankie because she, she never can't. stops thinking and saying that mm-hmm. phrase. Like she cannot let it go. Mm-hmm. And so what Kevin said to Terry was he writes his compulsions into his books as a way of like kind of like separating himself from them to give himself a little bit of a break. 
um, from the compulsion. So nothing to see here. He had compulsive thoughts about people spontaneously combusting and it evolved into children who light up with anger because he could relate to that, his anxiety. He felt like he was just mm-hmm. going to burn up and it was kind of attracted to the idea of fire burning you up. And so he was able to take this phrase and apparently this phrase turned up in um, the family fang as well, but became the focal point of um, now it's not the time to panic. So it's, so, <clears throat> it's just so good. It's quirky, but it's relatable. It's strange but it's relatable. It's very relatable. And there, you know, there are those moments <clears throat> of, you know, you feel so much for both Frankie and Zeke. And Zeke's got his own demons, you know, that he's dealing with. You know, they're both like kids. They're just kids, you know, who are trying to figure shit out. Um, but there are some really like astute observations. Like there's so many lines in that book where it's like, yes, that is so true. And also there are some funny moments. Like there's one scene where I was just like giggling because the mom like I love the is mom. listening to Jackson Brown and Frankie keeps like saying, oh, this, these songs are like really problematic. And the mom's like, stop it. I love Jackson Brown. And I'm thinking of like my parents lo- in the 90s, like loves Jackson Brown. <laughs> I know. So, um, it just kind of reminded me of, and you know, you and I both came of age in the 90s. So it felt very this familiar. This time frame was mm-hmm. like being a teenager in the mid to late 90s is something we can relate to, you know, it's before really cell phones, cell phones, really early stages of like the email, mm-hmm. email, you know, so it's, it's, I don't know. I mean, I just kind of saw myself a little bit in that. And, um, there's, he just gets teenagers so well, like there's a part where he's like, he just, oh, I, I should have brought the book with me, but he describes it this way. They're, they're in the car, right? Zeke and Frank are in the car and they're listening to music. Yeah. And they're very concerned about that. Well, what will the other think of them based yeah, on yeah. music taste? Uh-huh. Which I feel like every teenager's like that, right? Mm-hmm. And how quickly you, you feel like you can be known by someone when you're a teenager, all the while feeling like nobody can understand yeah. you. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yes. So he's, he's one of those authors that can put into words what you know but maybe no one had, you've never said or never heard before. I, and I just like that he tackles surprising, unusual things like a citywide panic over a poster. Like I, I like that, you know, I just like being surprised the originality of the ideas he brings forth. And it's probably all derived from the originality of how his brain works, you know, like an unusual person is going to be able to come up with some unusual things and they're not necessarily dark. There's always, there is a darkness to them, but there is hope. There is goodness. There is love. There is happiness. Yeah. And I wouldn't, I don't know that I would describe this book as dark Mm -mm. um, or even all that heavy. I mean, it has some of that in there, but Mm -hmm. um, no, I really, I loved it. And I, you know, I love me an angsty teenager. So, so look forward to that in November. We're going to be pushing it really hard. It is my favorite read maybe of the year. I just, I just love it because it's just so unique for me too. Yeah. Just so unique. I think, and you know, I'm always recommending Nothing to See Here by by Kevin Wilson. Mm -hmm. Because when I read that book, I was like, I really can't imagine a person not liking this book. It just has that sort of wide appeal. I just can't picture someone reading it and being like, "Mm, no, thanks. Yeah. Like, and he's interesting in that interview with Terry Gross. He also Mm -hmm. talked about like, 
his connection to his children and taking the time to just live life with them. Like I, I, when I finish a book like this, I'm like, when's this next one coming? Oh my God. How long do I have to wait? You know, it's a gap. I can't tell you. We could look it up, but it's been at least four or five years since Nothing to See yeah, Her. Yeah. So it will be a long wait, but. And you know, all of his books are not real, like. Um, they're slim. Yeah, they are. They're not. They're they're pretty. They're quick reads. I mm-hmm. mean, you can read them in a day or two easy. So. so our next buddy read is going to be Siren Queen by Nebo. We talked about this already, but you've, you're 50 pages in. I need to catch up. Yeah, I started it last night. Um, and, you know, it's it's great it's like old hollywood but also magic and like demonic shit happening um and nevo is just a fan her prose is fantastic i'm excited to experience it for the first time so maybe next podcast episode we'll talk about it because maybe we'll both have finished it hopefully our topic of conversation for today is um around what we've had so much fun with over the last week memorial day weekend we launched our inaugural cheesy summer reading challenge in partnership with great plain sauce and dough best pizza in name yeah joan uh has such a lovely heart and is great supporter of our bookstore and she really wanted to do a bookstore challenge in partnership with us so we sat down and figured it out uh we worked with Tom V, who's on staff, former teen librarian, to work on what would appropriate reading goals look like. Um, we worked with Rachel to develop this super cute uh, log, a little booklet to track your minutes in, and we launched it. So we have had so much fun with kids who are coming in the store looking for their summer read to get them started on this cheesy summer reading program. And it's been fun to see the enthusiasm because we've like, I think we printed a hundred booklets. And initially, and we're like, that'll for sure get us through the first couple weeks or whatever. And we ran out of them the very first day. Yeah. <laughs> and so just the um, enthusiasm for it has been really cool. Um, some A parent came in um, that I was working with and she said, this is book it, right? And I was like, yeah, it's basically book it. She's like, but it's an upgrade. It is an upgrade. <laughs> I was like, hell yeah, it's an upgrade. Yeah, because Great Plains Pizza is way better than the other chain. I mean, I'm not saying that I don't enjoy that other chain on occasion. Mm-hmm. Like if I'm in an airport, hook me up with the personal pan. Yeah, I can't. So it will be fabulous. It runs Memorial Day through Labor Day. Um, we have two age range reading goals, um, 60 minutes per week for kids going into kindergarten through sixth and 90 minutes per week for kids going through um, 7 through 12, I think, is how we break it up. It might be K through 5, but it's all printed on K through 5 is 60, 6 through 12 is 90. They track their minutes. When they've hit their total goal for the 14 weeks, we encourage them to track. They come in, get their booklet verified, and um, take it over to Great Plains for a pizza. So we're excited about it because I know I... You know, I really believe kids are made readers in summers when they get to do the reading they want to do. It's not prescribed by a classroom, especially in those kind of early elementary school years. I really feel like that's where kids become readers. Um, It's really fun to watch them kind of fall into their genres, Mm -hmm. discover what they like, 
um, my conversations with them when we're picking out a book is often related to like, do you want magic? Do you want mystery? Do you want it to be realistic? Um, and they, a lot of them know what they like already. And that's really fun. And then some of them are experimenting across the board. Um, I was, it gave us pause to think about what made us readers or mm -hmm. what stuck with us at that young age, you know, when we're reading over the summer, free time readers, because we were both readers. Yeah. I was always, um, you know, I wanted the scholastic book fair pile. I wanted, um, I would, I would be happy with a book for a gift. I loved getting books from people. I think the first book that I ever was able to read independently that I saw as like a real book, not just a book for practicing reading was the boxcar children. I remember holding it and looking at the end pages, pretending like I was finishing it, but I couldn't, I couldn't sustain that level of reading. And I think I really hit it in third grade, which is amazing what our kids can do now. Like yeah. where I was in third grade is where our kids are coming out of kindergarten. A lot of them. Yes. And I have thoughts about that that are not related. Okay. Well, you can share that. You can share that. Just that, you know, we hit reading really early on, like kids learning to read. And I think that that's great. But also we have to be mindful that when you're so young and you're in those formative years, every kid is really different. Mm -hmm. So if your kid isn't, you know, I have three kids. One went into kindergarten already a proficient reader. Mm -hmm. One was pretty proficient at the end of kindergarten. Mm -hmm. And now one is like still kind of getting a grasp yep. on letters. And, mm -hmm. the, and the thing is, but he loves being read to and he yeah. loves books. So I don't like when I, I just don't want parents to feel like, oh, my kid isn't proficient mm -hmm. at this particular age. That doesn't mean they're not a reader. Right. They're not a reader or they can't. They're mm -hmm. just, they're so, they just grow differently. It will click when it clicks. That's my so. And I agree with you. And that's one of the reasons why we set the cheesy yep. summer reading program mm -hmm. up to include having someone read to you or listening to audiobooks. Yep. Because listening to stories ignites the same parts of your brain and bonds you to the enjoyment of stories. Yep. So like I like we've talked about this before. Why am I a reader? What do I look for in reading? I, I love stories like Kevin Wilson's that are just amuse me, tell me something unusual, mm -hmm. you know, surprise me. I love being told stories and I can, I can read them myself now, but I just love hearing an unusual story. Yeah. yeah. For me, I remember the first, uh, <laughs> chapter book I read by myself and I re I read it in, cause I was a weird kid. You know, I went in my closet with a flashlight because yeah. apparently, you know, that's much more comfortable it's to so read much in fun. than like your room yes. or your, your couch or something yeah so I like huddled in the dark of the closet with a flashlight and the book was called the doll hospital and it was about mm. this girl who like fixed you know she could communicate with the stuffed animals and dolls and she like repaired them what's that new show called Doc McStuffins. Uh, something like that. The original that. Doc the McStuffins. The original Doc McStuffins. And I don't know who the author <clears throat> is. I, I can remember what it looks like. And I remember some things about it. But the sense of accomplishment when I finished it, like I read this whole book by myself, mm -hmm. has always stayed with me. Mm -hmm. um, and then I remember like doing the summer reading challenge with the library. And most of my memories are more like 
upper elementary, yeah. middle school. And so I was reading a lot of Babysitter's Club, Sweet Valley High, and V.C. Andrews. Like, yeah. what the hell? Was anybody letting me read V.C. Andrews? I don't know. But I read a lot of V.C. Andrews when yeah. I was in middle school. I read, I think, you know, I really became a reader in upper elementary school. I would often get in trouble for having my book inside the textbook and reading in, <laughs> in the classroom. So when Flora, my daughter, got into trouble for that this year in second grade, I took it with a grain of salt. And I think her teacher does too. But there's a yeah. little bit of defiance there. Probably got it from her mama. Um, but I loved Roald Dahl. James and the Giant Peach, Matilda, those stories just, oh, I loved them. I loved Matilda so much. I'm so glad I got to read Matilda before Matilda became a movie. Yeah. All of these have been turned into movies. I get so anxious about kids. Now, I know that a movie or TV series can turn a kid on to a book. Because I saw Anna Green Gables first. The P Same. It was in PBS, um, imported from Canada. Megan Follows was the actress. And I loved it. Oh, my gosh. I felt like Anna Green Gables, you know, just stubbornly <laughs> sticking out, um, loving books, desperate for a friend and wanting to be accepted. And I ended up reading that whole series. And I really wanted to this year reread Beginning to End. We'll see if I get I think there. I've read like maybe the first three. Like I've not read the whole, all of it. Yeah, I have all of it. Yeah, it's it's really I mean, I special. I love the show. I I watched that show, the PBS show. Yeah, all oh my the gosh. time. I remember having chicken pox. That was a thing in the eighties and nineties. Yeah, they don't know about this anymore today. Having the chicken pox and being like, you know, Zoned relegated out. to the couch for three weeks. I also had strep throat at the same time. That was fun. But I watched Anna, Anna Green, Green Gables, Gables like the through. whole time. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I actually think that's when I started reading the book because my mom brought me the book yeah. because I had been watching the show. So. I also had it on audio cassette and I would listen to it when I go to sleep. And when I went to college and I was like homesick, I would listen oh. to Anna Green Gables on headphones going to sleep. I was such a weird nerd. Um, but a couple other books that really stuck out for me as a kid was... Um, there's this book called The Princess in the Pig Pen. And it's about this like Victorian era, like court level girl. I don't, I, I, she might be a princess. I think she's a princess. Yeah, she is legitimately a princess. She has strep. So, so sick. Everyone in the family is so, so sick. And in her delirium, um, she transports, she time travels to a pigsty in Iowa, <laughs> in Iowa. Represent. And yes, Rachel has the um, cover pulled up and I um, loved this book. I love the time travel. I love the idea of the girl having to adopt to like a modern life. And one of the benefits is she, you know, she's here. They discover she's sick. They're able to cure her before sending her home. And I think they send her home with some medicine um, to save her mother. But, um, the author, I believe, is an Iowan, so it makes sense to me. I discovered this at the Ames Public Library, and um, I, I just latched onto it. I can't tell you how many times I read it. <laughs> um, it was like my library discovery, and I also at the library discovered Dealing with Dragons. Um, Dealing with Dragons is a three-part series for like any dragon lover kid. They're actually reading Dealing with Dragons in the um, Battle of the Books 
this coming academic year. Oh, nice. So it's back on the radar. Um, dealing with dragons is fantastic. So I love that. So I must have had a little bit of a magical realism I was, um, fantasy I was to me. like, you know, I remember reading Are You There, Goddess Me, Margaret in sixth grade. And yeah. Like, <laughs> like giving it to all my friends and being like, you gotta write this. <laughs> I was, okay, so Judy Bloom wise, just as long as we're together. That was mine. And I was looking at it at my house this morning and the ta- the, the cover, I actually have like uh, shipping tape holding the cover on because I read it so many times and there was just something that resonated for me about that like a new friend comes into the mix of a former duo of best friends in middle school and isn't that the middle school story oh yeah the social scene like who who are you friends and how are you changing in middle school and one of my favorite things I remember the main character I think it's Stephanie Stephanie has yeah the names are so perfect Stephanie Allison and Rachel totally like 80s kids in the 90s and Stephanie's mom says Stephanie's into hunks because she has a poster of Richard Gere on (laughs) her ceiling to look at and I'm like when I read that I had no idea who Richard Gere was um now we do but and I probably wouldn't have picked Richard Gere but I guess it's when he's like 17 I don't know what he did at 17 but it's a Richard Gere poster at 17 so, and we carry just um, some of Judy Bloom in the store. Yeah. Are you there, God? We got that one. Fun edition. Yeah, I feel like I was, I read a lot in upper elementary, early middle school, and then I kind of fell off of it. And then I had a really great teacher in ninth grade who comes to the store sometime, Mr. Forsman. Yeah. And I love Mr. Forsman. He's one of my favorite people. Um and I actually, my husband, and I ran into him years ago when we moved back to Ames and we talked to him. And when we left, my husband said, he is exactly how you described him. I yeah. do a great Mr. Forsman impression, but he turned me on to reading again because he was so passionate about reading and the way that he talked about books um, made me feel that excitement too. Yeah, yeah, it is hard. There are kids who will always be readers. And the goal is just to find people what they love and to acknowledge, you know, we go through seasons of life. Like I've always identified as a reader, but how much was I reading for fun in high school? How much was I reading for fun in college and early motherhood? College. No way. I mean, in early motherhood, I think strangely, I mean, Harry Potter did get me, you know, those books came out in our early adulthood yep so that kind of drew me back in the uh twilight books oh yeah i was teaching high school when they came out and like they the kids were like obsessed and so i was like i'm this this seems kind of stupid but i'm gonna see what the kids are Mm -hmm. obsessed with and i like I know it's kind of. I was of like, it's so bad, but it's so, so good. good. <laughs> Edward and Bella's romance totally did it. For Team me. Jacob. Uh uh-uh. uh. Edward. Way. Edward. That is a much healthier teen relationship, kids. If you're listening, I know. I That's really. That's my comfort movie. Yeah. Yeah. It, and Kristen Stewart is like perfectly cast. Yeah, she was Bella. perfectly cast. It's exactly who Bella should be. But and yeah, then- I. Yeah, but I think as you know, as we go through the summer, and you usually try to reconnect your kids with reading through mm-hmm. reading programs like mm-hmm. ours or your library or whatever. Um, I think it's just important to remember that like 
sometimes those seasons of life, right? Mm-hmm. And maybe your kid isn't super jazzed about reading, but if you make oh, reading hi, a priority in your home, like they see you reading and reading is always an option. Yeah. And like I know like my kids when they're like, I'm bored. I'm like, well, check out all these books we've got, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, and have faith that that's something they can return to. And also, I think most people are on board with this, but don't get snooty about what they're reading. No. Like, graphic novels have tons and tons of really excellent, like, themes and storytelling and creativity and art. Don't worry if all they want is Dogman. If they're excited about reading Dogman, let them read all the Dogman and Cat Kid and whatever is a comp after that. Yeah. Because they're enjoying the process. And And that's how you grow readers. Yeah. Like, you... you, Yes. Read what you love. Mm-hmm. You, when I started drinking champagne, it was Asti Spumani, which is very, like, sweet and unsophisticated. But I, mean, I just kept I, going. I am not a champagne connoisseur like you. Mm-hmm. So, you know. Now I'm, now I'm evolving. Into natural champagnes. I'm evolving into natural champagnes. Here I was, before I was hanging out with you five years ago, drinking the Andre. Yeah. And now look at me. I am, I am a butterfly emerging from its chrysalis. And that's what we hope will happen for all of our little readers. So when you ha- if you have reluctant readers, bring them in here. We'll, we'll break through. They'll stand there and they'll be like, I don't, know, I don't really want it. I don't want a recommendation. I'll be like, I will find you something. Yeah. And, you know, I've loved with the Cheesy Reading Challenge. So many kids have come in mm-hmm. and I have loved talking talking with the kids especially the middle grade readers mm-hmm. um because i think like during the school years like they're not we don't i don't feel like we get a ton of them but we've had a t- huge influx the last couple of weeks with summer getting started and it's been really fun to talk to those kids yeah and try to help them find a good book yep and i think if you get hooked onto reading because you find books that you like mm-hmm. then you are more apt to as you grow if you encounter a book you don't love, you still appreciate the process of reading. Mm-hmm. You know, I read how many books in a year? You know, some of them I absolutely love. A lot of them are just okay for me. But I, I rarely regret reading a book. Right. Because I get something more out of it than entertainment. Yeah. I, I like the way that it makes me think. And even if I don't like it, I like being able to explain why I don't like it. Mm-hmm. So you're building their threshold for being, for being able to read widely. Yeah. So Agreed. let them start where they're happy. All right. <laughs> this week we have a couple. Oh my God. We have. Let me see. I hate Rachel so. <laughs> this week we have some exciting titles coming out in paperback that have been great stories for us over the last year. Um, most notably, Beautiful World, Where Are You by Sally Rooney. Sally Rooney has really um, made a huge splash uh, with conversations with friends and normal people. normal people, both of which have been made into shows, correct? Yeah. Uh, Beautiful World, Where Are You? Uh, Rachel, you really enjoyed this one. What did you enjoy about it? I loved most the friendship. It felt very relatable and just beautifully written. I mean, there's... Like, everybody thinks of Sally Rooney as little highbrow, but I thought it was um, just super digestible and literally beautiful (laughs) written. So, um, yeah, I don't know. That one one just hit me at the right time. 
and I still find it resonates in a lot of ways. And it's not that's like focused on um, just like romantic relationships, but also the love of like a true friend and even the ups and downs of that. And, you know, you have your best friend in the world and you know everything about them, but there's still things that aren't always like you're not always aware of, even mm-hmm. though you've had this person in your life for most of it. Well, how, so. how well can you ever really know a person? Yeah, well, and it's more just like a, we all have those internal struggles and mm-hmm. how we manage and deal with them and even how we handle discussing them. So it was cool. really good. Yeah, I, I've read Normal People, and I'm interested in reading this one because the way that you talk about it makes me feel like it would be worth the time. We have uh, The Personal Librarian, which has been on our bestseller table at various times, coming out in paperback. This is from one of my favorite historical fiction writers. I don't read a lot of historical fiction because I feel like it can kind of get a little monotonous. Um, But I love what Marie Benedict does with her stories. She finds women who were behind the scenes of men who made big names and tells their stories. The women who've been forgotten. Einstein's first wife, uh, Winston Churchill's wife. Women who really shaped history or maybe had some fantastic contributions of their own that were overlooked because there was a male beside them. So this is the story of the personal uh, librarian to J.P. Morgan. Um, And it's also a story about passing as white in a community that might not have accepted her background, which was mixed. She co-wrote this book with Victoria Christopher Murray, uh, a woman of color. And I think that was important to her to have um, an own voice representation on writing about a woman who was passing as white. So that's a really fun one out in paperback. Um, Another one that uh, I've been wanting to read is The Other Black Girl. Mm -hmm. And it's about um, a black woman working as an editorial assistant in publishing in New Mm -hmm. York. And she's the only black person on staff. And then another black woman gets hired and she's like immediately excited. But then she starts getting these like weird threatening notes. And the other black woman, I think Hazel's her name, sort of like rises to the top. And so it's almost like a sort of thriller. Mm -hmm. Um, I've heard it compared to like Get Out a little bit. Yeah. vibe. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I'm interested in reading that one. Okay. And then we have The Bomber Mafia by Malcolm Gladwell. Malcolm is a favorite author for so many people. This is um, a look at a, a time in history um, yep. from him. I Not think it to- has to do with like um, World War II, like bombardment strategies mm-hmm. where to limit like collateral damage, which right. is just a nice way of saying killing innocent people. Right. So, but he's, you know, his writing is just always really easy to read. Um, well done, well researched. He's one of those smart. nonfiction writers that is, yeah. You feel you come away from his books feeling like you learned something valuable. Mm-hmm. And then um, a new release in paperback is "For the Throne" by Hannah Witten. This is in our uh, fantasy section. Uh, it's the second in a series. The first is called "For the Wolf," and that's been a really big yeah seller for us. Yeah, and I we have the backing of Genevieve Gornachek. She likes For the Wolf. Um, She's a local fantasy writer. And um, it's a little bit of a Red Riding Hood story, 
it's about um, someone who knows she she will have to be sacrificed to the wolf because she is um, a second daughter. And apparently that's how the relationship goes. The second daughter gets um, sacrificed to the wolf. So we'll see where this story continues in For the Throne. Awesome. Okay, there's a bunch of new release hardcovers that we're excited about. Um, so for me, I actually don't know much about what this is about. It's Nightcrawling by Layla Motley. And I've, ha I've actually had the arc for a while and it's been on my TBR and I just keep moving it because the thing with arcs for me is that I always feel like I can't keep up with what's already out. Mm -hmm. But this one had caught my interest because it's Oakland and it reminded me a little bit of There There, which takes place in Oakland, California and it's such a rich setting for a novel. Mm -hmm. But this was an arc that our rep like wrote a long note like mm -hmm. note and sent it to us and was like this is the book and the reason why the one of read. the things that's interesting is it's written by a teenager yes she's like how old is she like 17 or something? i think yeah like that's crazy yeah. so i fully intend to read it's got it's a beautiful cover too I mean, yeah it's just really it's really cover. Mm -hmm. um but it's not often that we get a note from a rep on an art that's like this is mm -hmm. this is stellar you really need to read this one one that we have coming to our contemporary romance is Nora Goes Off Script. It really caught my eye. It's by Annabelle Monahan. Um, they call it Evie Drake Starts Over Meets Beach Read. Um, it's a divorced romance channel screenwriter whose script about her marriage collapse just might help her reclaim her life and find love. So it's it's about owning your own story. It's a romance Um I think there's a little bit of a, you know, second chance element here. And it looked like the perfect addition to our romance section. Another that seems fun, unique, interesting is Counterfeit by Kirsten Chen. And this is a book about two friends from college, one of whom kind of mysteriously went off to do her own things but what she was developing was like a counterfeit purse ring to make gobs and gobs of money. And she's reeling back in her, her college friend. It's a little bit of like a high paced um, caper. And I find it amusing because when I would go to Washington DC to visit my aunt and uncle, we would always get the counterfeit purses. We knew they were, <laughs> we knew they were, it was just fun. It was like, Oh, this is yeah. a Kate Spade purse. And my uncle who um, was more conscientious would always be like what would kind of object to these knockoff purses. We would always get excited about buying on the street, but I think it has a fun premise, uh, gorgeous cover and an interesting story about friendship and culture, I think. So I kind of have my eye on this one, the seaplane on final approach. It's got a cool cover. And so the basic premise is that there is this like wilderness lodge in very remote Alaska that you can only reach as a tourist by seaplane. Mm -hmm. And the owners of that lodge are married. Their marriage is sort of falling apart. The guy is a little bit predatory. There's a person Gross. who works there who's like really into a fisherman. Mm -hmm. Like, so it's sexy. Mm -hmm. and remote and a little bit like mystery stuff and that's all i know but i want to read it 
Actually, I think I'm going to buy it today. Okay. <laughs> All right. A the couple. on final approach by Rebecca yeah. Ruckheiser. Yeah. A couple interesting ones coming out in kids. Alice Austin Lived Here. This is a new book by Alex Gino. Alex Gino is the author behind some really well done kind of like books about middle grade, middle school, um, identity, gender. So I'm really excited to see what Alex Gino has to offer us. Um, Same. I mean, you know, it's going to be good. Yeah, it's going to be well done. And we also have... People are going to be excited about this one. A new edition in the Phoebe the Unicorn series. It's a graphic novel. This is called Unicorn Selfies by Diana Simpson. In um, young adult graphic, we're bringing in Welcome to St. Hell. That um, one looks good. I know. It looks really good. And that is a totally graphic um, book club pick for later this year. So if you want to join. Yeah, if it sounds good. Pick it Register. up, read it. Register. Bye. No, they don't even have to. Like, <laughs> no, just show up. So just show the, up. Bye. The book club for Totally Graphic and Good Trouble have been sponsored through the end of the year. So as long as you register, you get the book. You get so. the book for free. So if you have a high schooler who would love to read a graphic novel about a trans kid adventure in high school, come get it. Looks super good private school too i think right? yeah private school they got to wear uniforms and it's all about figuring out who you are i i think it looks really exciting we also have the gifts that bind us this is the sequel to all our hidden gifts kind of ties in this whole like occult world that people are very interested in right now especially high school kids tarot developing our mythical powers in the sequel, there's a force threatening the high school and a group of girls are going to use their their um, fledgling powers, their ability to read the magical signs to protect their school. So that, that was a great bestseller, one of the best of the year last year in YA. So it's fun to have a sequel for them. And finally, a little board book from Leslie Patricelli. She's a favorite. This one's called Splash. So it's the perfect little board book for your baby. Everyone loves Leslie's books, but this one's Splash. So check that one out. Um, This week at the store, we will have story time on Wednesday. And um, if at all possible, Lovey and I will be there together. Lovey will definitely be there, but I have the opportunity to speak with Iowa Public Radio about great summer reads for kids. And so if we overlap, one of my lovely booksellers will fill in with Lovey. Rachel will. Rachel will fill in with Lovey at Storytime. We always have great new books. No. There's so many good picture books. I'm going to be gone this Wednesday. Because I'm switching my day Jess. Off. Jess will fill. Or Mariah. Yeah, we have so many good people who know good books. It's not going to be me. It's going to be really fun. Amanda's going to arrange it so we don't run into what happened last week where no one wanted to do it. (laughs) That's unacceptable. Reading picture books is amazing. (laughs) Um, But apparently, it's my special talent. It's your special talent. I love reading, and that's why I get to talk to IPR, because I love talking about kids' books. So Thursday is Books and Beverages. Ellen will read that or lead that from six to seven Thursday night. That's where all the Pause. cool kids will be. 
it's books in bed and trivia on Thursday. Yeah, mm-hmm. unless that's one too. Books and Bevs will be followed by our June trivia night. Mm-hmm. This will be Jill's last time running it. She's a trivia developer extraordinaire. I know her fans are going to miss her, but we got plans in the works. We got plans in the works for something fun. So that will be a really fun night. Friday night, Totally Graphic Book Club. They're reading Kent State, Four Dead in Ohio by Durf. Is this a made-up name? I don't know. We should look into it. The book looks cool, though. No, it is an important um, historical recounting of this incident um, at Kent State. That's 5 to 6 p.m. on Friday. On Saturday, we have Good Trouble. Uh, Maybe He Just Likes You by Barbara D. And that is from 4 to 4.45. And then Chapman's List Book Club. Lawn Boy. So these are banned books. It's from six to seven. Both of those are led by Tom B. Yeah. And, and Lawn Boy the is the last Chapman's list. It yeah. is the last Chapman's list book club. Of course, we will still continue to provide you with all those banned books, but this is the last Chapman's list book club. Right. And just to remind you, our hours um, changed here at the end of May. You can shop at Dogyard Books um, till 7 o'clock on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. We're open till 8 o'clock on Friday and Saturday. And bonus, Sunday is expanded all the way 10 to 6, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. So we're really trying to provide open hours when we know our customers would really love to be here and shop, make the most of their weekend and evenings. So. Yeah. And lastly, you know, our last episode, we unfortunately had to discuss uh, Uvalde. And since then, we have had a tragedy in our own community. Right. At Cornerstone Church. And um, one of the, the most important things to note on this situation is that there was police involvement um, early on in the week with this individual. And um, he was arrested for his harassment of a former partner. And I'm glad, I'm glad um, police were involved in that. But um, there's a boyfriend loophole. This couple was not living together. They're not married and they don't have children. And so it was not required to remove any firearms from this man's possession. And so if you're looking for action that you can take contact your state representatives, the governor, and yeah. ask for the boyfriend loophole to be closed. Yeah, and you know, get involved with your local Moms Demand Action group. There's There are chapters in every state. You don't have to be a mom. This is a really well-run volunteer organization that we've both been involved in. They'll give you things to do. And if you're in Iowa, I mean, we've got, we have a primary today. So Tuesday, June 7th. Go and vote and vote accordingly. Think about your can. Look at where they stand on this issue and vote accordingly. Yeah. Um, because the truth is that Republicans and Democrats alike have been cowards on this. And so you want to vote for people who you know will do the right thing regardless. Right. That this is something they're willing to take a hard stance on and fight hard on not just kind of overlook or push to the side because 
gun violence is the number one killer of children in this country. And that's ridiculous. We have control over that. We hear about, you know, mass shooting situations. And when this event, this domestic violence event was unfolding at a church in which two women were killed and then um, the perpetrator shot himself. You know, this we all knew in Ames that something was happening there. We knew that there was an active shooting situation. We did not know the specifics. We didn't know how many people. And when it hits your own community, it hits you in a different way. Like, because you're like, I don't, do I have friends there? Do I like, who, Mm -hmm. like, what is happening? And it was so scary. My husband wasn't even home and you called me. You Mm -hmm. were the one who told me that it was going on. And I was trying to call him and my hands were shaking Mm -hmm. so much that I like couldn't, I dialed Rachel. (laughs) I called Rachel. Um, And so like, it it just it hit close to home this time and our hearts are certainly with our community and everyone who was you know impacted by that um, I think our whole community was but um, certainly you know the young people who were there there were a lot of people there at that time the first responders um, so yeah but we can do we can do things and so again unfortunately we have to remind our audience that we can do things yeah <laughs> so with champagne with champagne and some action all right <clears throat> remember uh subscribe like follow because you want to find out what's happening in dog Eared books every single week yeah and if you don't live in Ames, you can always follow us on social or hit our website to order books follow us at dog-eared books aims or at dog-eared books on tiktok all right listeners keep the champagne flowing and the books going this is so great it's so great (laughs)